0: Well, 2020 has been a stressful year for all of us, but it's the holidays now, and it's a time to reflect, be with loved ones, and remember all that was good in this turbulent year. This is the 23rd episode of the Young Farmer podcast, and I started this way back before COVID came and became a household, household word. So for all you listeners who have been there alongside, thanks for your support, and I hope you continue listening here in the new year. So to close out this year, and what I hope is a fun note, today's guest is Jessica Peters. And if you don't know Jessica yet, you will someday. She's a dairy farmer from Northwest Pennsylvania, but she's also made her mark as a sort of social media star for agriculture. It's her outlet to tell not only her farm story, but to also defend farmers when she feels something is awry. A good example of this was the recent Dean's bankruptcy letters that went out to hundreds of dairy farmers across the country. Her emotional and funny posts resonated with lots of people. I recorded this podcast in two parts, earlier this month and just last week. This is a long one. It's the longest podcast I've done to date, at over one hour long, but it was worth it. We had a great conversation about the Dean's Letters, social media, and basically life in general. I hope you enjoy it. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Okay, Jess Peters, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So my first question to you is, are you still ticked? I am.
1: (laughs) I kind of took a break from the weekend. Um, You know, there wasn't a whole lot I could do or anyone I could harass about this. Um, And, you know, just every time someone brings it up again, it just irritates me.
0: (laughs) When did you get that letter?
1: When did I get it? Yeah, when did you get it? Um, Well, um, I got it, I opened it last Wednesday. Um, we had actually received it the week before, but I am, I am a person who gets my mail and puts it in piles, you know, like I know these are bills and I deal with those on a certain day, you know, different day. And I I hardly ever open anything right as I get it. And, um, you know, it came in and I think this was very much orchestrated. It came in a very plain, you know, eight and a half by 11 manila envelope. Mm -hmm. There was no return address. Um, there was no like urgent open this now. It was a small white label with our address and farm name on it mm-hmm. and that's all it was it looked very non-threatening you know this this time of year people mail us calendars organizations are part of
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know and that's it's kind of what it looked like so it blended in and I waited and I opened it on Wednesday
0: and you got one hell of a surprise
1: I certainly did yes
0: what did it actually say what did the letter say
1: uh it's really hard to um you know repeat it verbatim because it I mean it was it it went right into legal ease. Like there wasn't even an opening introduction like, hello, we are such and such law firm, blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, and if you've ever read a legal document, unless you're a paralegal or a lawyer, they're really hard to read. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many of thes and whereas and here for twos, um, they're impossible to understand. You know, it took me a good 10 or 15 minutes to figure out what was happening. Um, You know, the first page had all the money amounts on it. You know, the amount of money we had been paid in the 90 day period that they're um, referring to and then the amount of money they wanted back and then the amount that they'd settle for if we paid within that month of when we'd received the this letter. Um, And basically what it said is through the proceedings of the bankruptcy, um, they're asking for a portion of the money back that they paid us um, for the 90 days prior to, you know, and reading through the whole thing, it's it's one, it's hard to read and two, it. Doesn't fully explain the law or the clause that they're citing um, for, you know, saying they're able to do this. Turns out it's a pretty common occurrence in bankruptcy cases. Yeah, it sure. Is. Uh, and and in one of the pages, the actually the last page in the packet explains that there are defenses against the law or the clause, um, and one of them is the uh, I don't remember how it worded it exactly. Basically, the ordinary course of doing business, mm-hmm. which As soon as I read that, I thought, well, we fall under that, Mm -hmm. you know, immediately. Like they were, I use the word partners loosely, but they were our business partners. You know, we sold them a product. We even, dairy farming is so messed up. We even pay to ship it to them.
0: I know, isn't that (laughs) Um, lovely?
1: Yeah, right. I don't understand. Whoever thought that was a good idea, clearly wasn't the farmer, but, um, you know, and then they processed it and sold it and that's how they make their profit. And, um. You know, as soon as as soon as I got to that page and read that, I knew they didn't have a case here. But just the fact that they sent the letters out, you know, I mean, lawyers, the lawyers that sent these aren't stupid. They knew. Either they're, they're so naive about how the dairy industry works, which could be the case, or they sent out these letters on purpose to either bully or scare farmers into paying it. You know, if you're a smaller farm and your settlement is less than $5,000, that's still a lot of money for you. But maybe you think, it'd be cheaper to pay that settlement than to have to pay a lawyer to fight this. And, and you don't want the hassle, so you just pay it.
0: And you were being asked, from a, from a video I saw on your Facebook site, you are being asked to pay $50,000.
1: Almost $50,000 is the full amount. The settlement was only 5000 less. So still north of $45,000.
0: Because they, really, they gave you a really nice holiday discount, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, they really, I mean, they really tried. <laughs> to be kind, it's the holidays, I guess. They thought maybe we couldn't afford the full fifty grand.
0: Um, and of course I'm just saying that tongue in cheek but you know I mean j- just right. the fact that this was sent at this time of year and you know they just were nice enough to put that in there um and uh, and I guess you know it, it it's I just I just wonder I mean do you have $45,000 under your under your bed somewhere or somewhere you know stashed in a barn I mean do you have that somewhere
1: well, You know what we're doing some cleaning and looking <laughs> hoping that 50 years ago somebody shoved a ton of money in a mattress that we can pull out and, uh, you know, if I, let's be clear, if I find that much money, I'm either paying off my feed bill or building a new calf barn (laughs) where, you know, part of a new calf barn anyway. Um, You know, you know, that's, that's the thing this company and, you know, I have to imagine the people left that are part of Dean's, you know, there's a small can, you know, small number of employees left that are basically just there to oversee the destruction you know, the yeah. the pain of the debts and the courts and the bankruptcy. And, you know, I have to believe they have no idea what it's like to work with farmers. Um, you know, because if they did, we, we would be receiving these letters. And, and I really, I really just think, and this is what ticks me off the most, that they're trying to bully farmers into paying their money. They either think we're too stupid or too lazy or too tired to fight it, and that we'll think it's easier to pay their settlement and make it go away. Mm-hmm. And that's crap.
0: Yeah, and it it, it seems like you know on social media you've been really active on social media on Facebook in particular, and you sort of have become the unofficial spokesperson for the for the people who who have been affected by this. It's about a hundred farmers here in this state, and about five hundred nationwide. Um, I, I so far I have not found anybody else who, um, and I haven't found anybody else yet who is as eloquent and. Um, And eloquent, in in a very funny way as well, but eloquent nonetheless, defending what you think is right, and you know, fighting back against us.
1: I'm just, I'm, I'm angry for every farmer who received one of these letters. I'm angry because (laughs) I use the term relationship loosely, but Dean's never had a good relationship with its farmers. You know, I found out about the bankruptcy on Facebook. Three days later, we got the letter they mailed to us. Wow. And I wasn't shocked. The writing was on the wall. They hadn't been doing well for a long time. We did ship and actually still ship. um, DFA took over our plant to one of their most profitable plants. I think uh, mostly because of location and just its size. But, you know, and I'm just, I'm tired of how dairy farmers are treated. You know, like I said earlier, we pay to ship our product to the person who buys it. In what other industry does that happen?
2: Yeah.
1: One. Two, we have no control over the price of our milk, if you ask any dairy farmer, you'd be really hard pressed to find someone who even understands how we get paid. Yeah. The pricing is so complex. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I think a lot of the reason people are afraid to speak out about it is because if I speak out about the wrong thing or the wrong company and I tick off our milk hauler, Excuse me, our, our milk, you know, our co-op or processor.
2: Sure, that there's going to be ramifications, us,
0: right? I've and heard I that have excuse. Yeah, I've heard that excuse in, <clears throat> I've heard that excuse in a lot of instances. Um, I, I hear that a lot. Let's just put it that way, and uh, you know,
2: I,
1: I really we have no other option. Mm-hmm. You know, the dairy industry has become so small, um, that you know, and everyone's like, well, shouldn't a bunch of group of farmers get together and make their own milk plant and yes that would be great but that's what happened 50 or 60 years ago when co-ops started yeah you know some farmers broke off and said why don't we take away the marketing and the processing we worry about that you worry about your cows Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and what happened is as those farmers retired their kids took over or the next generation took over and they understood farming a little less and now we've gotten to a place where the people who run the company live in texas have never stepped foot on a farm and have no idea what it's like to be a farmer yeah yeah, You know, and, and it's impossible to be the farmer and the processor.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, and, I yep.
1: And at this point, I just thought, what do I have to lose? Dean's is done. You know, I, I, I kept thinking of over and over for the last few days that um, the saying about not kicking the ho- dead horse. Mm-hmm. Dean's was my dead horse. <laughs> it was buried. I was done being mad at them. I was done talking about them. And then all of a sudden it came back to life and now all I want to do is kick it. You know, like, I, it's just so frustrated.
0: You know what, before I ask, I'm going to, how old are you?
1: I am 35. Okay. Okay. So I had so, to think about that for a second.
0: That's yeah, okay. It's okay. And then do you farm on your own or do you farm with your parents or tell me a little bit about your farm? So
1: this is my family farm. My younger brother and I are the fifth generation um, and my, my dad is still very, very active. Um, so it's my parents, my younger brother and I here on this farm. But it hasn't been a father to son passing. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad actually inherited it from a cousin on his mother's side. Ah, okay. But we are technically the fifth generation, so.
0: Interesting. And then how many head and how many acres do you
1: have? Um, so we're milking about 270 cows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we own all of our own replacements. So that's a total of 500 animals roughly on the farm. Mm-hmm. And we farm uh, about 600 acres. Uh, ha- we own half and rent about the other half. Mm-hmm. Um, we own a little over 400 acres, but there's a lot of timber involved in that and you know, some buildings and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Is that enough for your own feed, or do you have to buy any in?
1: Well, if we have—Northwestern Pennsylvania is a hard place to grow feed. I um, was just
0: going to say, how much snow do you <laughs> have on the ground right now? Or no, No, excuse me, let me rephrase that. When was your first snow?
1: Um, the snow that's melting now, I still see small piles out the window, um, was probably almost a foot. Wow. And that <laughs> happened, it was last week and it's been a little cold, so it's taken a while to melt. You're um, right.
0: In the, that that's like the snow belt up there. That's Pennsylvania. We're at the very end of it. Okay.
1: But we still get, I mean, we still get quite a bit of snow and a fun fact about where I live. It's one of the cloudiest places in the country. They used to build nuclear bombs here.
0: Wow. I because didn't know
1: ra- that. radar radar couldn't detect. I didn't know it until two years ago either, but it completely explains my vitamin D deficiency <laughs> as a farmer. <laughs> like doctors here, if you go in for like a cold or a flu shot, they just give you vitamin D because we don't have enough sunlight to get it naturally.
0: Oh, that's hilarious.
1: But um, so it is, th- there is enough land to grow all the crops we need when we have a good year. But you know, we only have a good year every three or four years.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you guys talked to a lawyer? Have you talked to an attorney about this? I have not
1: yet because, thankfully, and completely on their own, um, a couple of organizations have stepped in. Pennsylvania is the only state that has a milk marketing board. Mm-hmm. They heard about this pretty early on, and they have stepped in and actually talked to the Pennsylvania State Attorney General. And they were, um, they were supposed to... And I think they did have a call with the law firm that put out these packets from mm-hmm. Minnesota on Friday, mm-hmm. uh, basically just saying, what the crap is this? Why are you doing this? You need to, you know, go back on all these lawsuits. And also, another big one that really kind of surprised me was the um, American Farm Bureau stepped in
0: you're in a big way. You're surprised by that.
1: I, <laughs> can I just say, as a dairy farmer, I'm surprised when any large organization backs us. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, maybe this is me being bitter, but we don't get a lot of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we don't seem to get a ton of support from those big organizations. Mm-hmm. I will say, and I'm not going to name them. There are some organizations I'm surprised won't haven't
2: mm-hmm.
1: and won't step in um, on behalf of the dairy farmers. You know, 500 dairy farmers, that's a big chunk of the dairy industry. It is. There aren't many of us left. Yeah, it is. Um, but I know Farm Bureau issued a letter that they have 10 days to respond to, basically a cease and desist, like... They're saying you need to drop the lawsuits completely, uh, and any if there were any farmers who did pay the money, um, you need to refund it. And what I've been told, um, and I, I'm very skeptical until this is like put to bed, as to how far any organization's going to go for us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what I've been told is that if the law firm comes back and says no, Farm Bureau is going to lawyer up for us. <laughs> and fight this as like a class action group yeah. lawsuit which would be hard to do because it's so spread out like the majority of the farms I think are in Pennsylvania and then there's a big cluster in Kentucky right but I know there's some in Montana there's some in Michigan like it's all over the place Mm -hmm. and it's not just farms I know some co-ops and processors individual smaller um, Mm co-ops got letters Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that becomes true because I I know we can fight this and that we won't have to pay the 50 grand Mm -hmm. but I also don't just have a couple thousand dollars laying around to lawyer up yeah you know, it's going to cost hundreds of dollars just to let them read the packet. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, every 15 minutes is how much money after that.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You yep. just
1: to be at the end of the dumpster fire that was 2020, <laughs> to have to deal with this, you know, it's just, it's, it's irritating. The more I talk about it, yeah. the angrier I get yeah. that they, they just, I, I feel like we always have a target on our backs and very few people you know, are there to protect us against it.
0: Now, there is going to be an industry call here on Thursday, I believe, December oh, 10th. Yes. So hopefully hopefully by Thursday they give some farmers, they give the farmers the the necessary guidance that they need because um, I, cause I, I think that's what farmers need. I think farmers really need some guidance and really need some insurance from whoever it is that's going to help them that everything is going to be okay because, you know, um, This This isn't something we should have to worry about. No, it isn't, and this is something that I don't think anybody... I mean, could you imagine, you know, I mean, this is something so close to Christmas. We're talking about two weeks before Christmas, and and somebody's being asked to pony up $50,000 that they had no idea they had to pony up. I mean, that's that's not something that most people can do. Now, I know, of course, you've been digging around for pennies and quarters and adding up and all that, (laughs) but... Nah, I'm just kidding around but you know I, I totally agree with you though I mean it's it's
1: you know I think the the lawsuit's timing was you know very per- purposeful you, you know they so? sent these out around I, th- I think so
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know I don't I, I think they're they know what they're doing they sent it out in a very plain envelope they sent it out the week before Thanksgiving assuming people wouldn't open it until at least the week of or after so that cuts that month deadline down into three weeks and then bankruptcy lawyers I mean most people don't just I don't know the name of a bankruptcy lawyer off the top of my head. Do you? Uh, I don't. (laughs) It it needs to be a bankruptcy lawyer because these laws and clauses um, related to bankruptcy are, are intricate and complicated. And, you know, so then you got to go out and find the lawyer. And then if you don't pay it by Christmas Eve within the paperwork, it says there will be financial and legal retribution. Mm -hmm. Well, Christmas is on a Friday. Nobody's going to do business the week between that Friday and New Year's Day. Mm -hmm. You know, so then all of a sudden you're two weeks late and, you know, you're on the line for even more than you were before. Mm -hmm. I think their timing was completely on purpose. You know, and I I said that on some of my videos on social media and I've had multiple people say, I'm a paralegal and I can tell you it was. Mm -hmm. They picked the perfect envelope. You know, they picked the perfect time Mm -hmm. and... You know, that's their job. They're a, a law firm who collects money.
0: You have a very, very great social media presence, and your videos are quite funny, and you have a lot of followers for a good reason. <laughs> well, thank you. I,
1: you know, I, um, <clears throat> this irritates my dad, I think, but my younger brother and I, we work together, and, uh, you know, farming is a very serious life. We don't get a lot of time off. We don't see a lot of people other than each other and the people we work with. You know, we, we literally deal with life and death almost daily.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It is what it is. And if I cannot take it as much of life seriously as possible, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the videos we put together that came out all wrong, but you know, if I can, I know make exactly something what you mean. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know the concept. Oh, sure. um, if I can make sure. something more fun, um, you know, i do it for me. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad it entertains other people as well. <laughs> um, otherwise, I'd have four followers and just be an idiot with the. Well, I still am just an idiot with a Facebook page. But, um, <laughs> you know, and, and also about, you know, teaching people about farming or sharing your life with them. You know, if, if I were just talking about farming, only farmers would follow me.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, the average person doesn't really think or care a lot about farming. You know, but if you make it funny or entertaining they're going to watch you because you're making them laugh or making them cry for that matter. Yep. You know, and then they're also going to learn something about what you do along the way.
0: And you certainly so, do that. And, uh, and those, those videos that you did with, uh, with your friend, Katie Daughterer Pyle, who is yeah. a, she's originally from Pennsylvania, but she farms now in Maryland. Uh, mm-hmm. Those videos have become quite legendary.
1: Yeah, we, um, <laughs> I actually met her, are you, are you talking about, do you remember the Dairy Dance-Off?
0: Yes, I do. Yes.
1: that That's actually how I met. I'd, I had met her twice before then. <laughs> um, I didn't know her that well at all. And that's kind of how we became best friends. It just, she posted a video in her barn of her dancing and singing. And I was like, does she even know me? Like, she can't just post that and think I'm not going to take that as a challenge. Um, so five minutes later, my brother and I were milking cows and we did our own video and posted it and The second I pressed end, I was like, oh, we're going to do something cool. (laughs) And I, I called her, and sure enough, we did something pretty cool.
0: So that's part one of our conversation. In part two, Jess and I talked a little bit more about her background, and I dug a little bit deeper into her thoughts on social media and how she uses Facebook, Instagram, and other sites as a way to not only advocate for herself and for her own farm, but for other people in farming. And we also, I also talked about how she feels about the Dean's situation now. Have you put a dent in your Christmas shopping yet?
1: I have, thankfully. <laughs> kind of last week, it kind of all of a sudden hit me that Christmas was almost here, and I should probably, you know, buy some things.
0: So the last time we talked, um, of course, the last time we talked was all about, almost all about Dean's. We touched a little bit on your social media <laughs> stuff, but not, but not a lot. You know, before we get into that, give me a little bit of your background. So as I understand, did you go to Penn State?
1: I did. Yeah. I have a bachelor's of science in animal sciences from Penn state. Um, and then actually even before I graduated, um, I went and spent a year in New Zealand. So like, like I graduated in August and, um, earlier that summer I left. Um, I just technically hadn't, didn't have my diploma yet, but
0: tell me about New Zealand. Why did you go to New Zealand?
1: Well, the dairy science club at Penn state always does, uh, Spring break trip. And every three or four years, they try and do an international trip so that every group of seniors has a chance to go on an international trip. Um, In my senior year, we went to New Zealand Uh, and we did it over the Christmas holiday because that's their summer. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you're going to take that flight, you're going to spend more than a week there. (laughs) It's a very long traveling experience.
0: How long? How long? Um, How long? Give me any idea how long that was from Pennsylvania to New Zealand?
1: Uh, I've made the flight six or seven times now, and I want to say the shortest amount of time I've done it in is like 28 hours. Wow. Because uh, you, you fly, I mean, I fly from here in Pennsylvania to the east or the west coast, you know, usually LAX, sometimes San Francisco. And then um, typically you'll fly to, you, you can fly right to New Zealand, or sometimes a, I've had a layover in Sydney, Australia. Um, on that trip, we actually had a layover in Tahiti, which was kind of awful. It's the most humid place ever and their airport was outdoors. <laughs> so we were actually all excited to get back on the airplane because we had air conditioning, which <laughs> you don't hear very often, right?
0: No, no, no. <laughs> most, but, times um, when I hear, most times if I hear somebody talk about Tahiti, they're, they're in heaven when they talk about
1: it. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm not a fan of the humid.
0: But, no, I um, agree with you. I, I'm not a fan either.
1: So we made that trip, uh, and then when I graduated, I knew I'd want to come home to the farm someday, But I wasn't sure when, you know, I wasn't quite ready right off the bat. And uh, two of my friends early on had committed to working on one of the farms we had visited on that trip in New Zealand. And I thought, you know what, I could do that. So I ended up getting a job on another farm. Um, New Zealand has two islands, North Island and South Island. And I found a job on the South Island. They were on the North Island. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know, college dreams, I guess. You thought, oh, we'll hang out all the time. We'll see each other. Well, I didn't realize how much of an ordeal it was to travel between the two. But um it ended up working out. They left the farm they were at and came and worked on my farm. I was there for a year. then I came home for a year and still wasn't ready and went back for another year. I'm pretty sure my dad had given up on me. He thought she's never coming home <laughs> um, but yeah at the end by the end of that year i was I was ready to be home so
0: so you spent a total of two years in New Zealand I
1: did yeah wow living that must, I have, in, been, that in must have been that must have been
0: one heck of an experience.
1: It was, it was really amazing. You learn a lot about yourself living in a a foreign country, you know, and not, not that New Zealand's that crazy. You know, they speak English for the most part. (laughs) The first month I was there, it's really hard to understand the accent. You know, they just talk so quickly in the, you know, the vernacular and the slang they use. Um, but, but yeah, the second time I went back was more of a, they seasonally calve there. And a friend I had met the first time, uh, they were managing their first farm and, uh, his wife was having a baby at the same time all of his cows were calving. So then he needed like a herdsman per- person. and I was like, Yeah, I think I can handle that.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It was
1: it was it was quite the experience.
0: So what did you learn about dairy down there? I know, you know, it's it's one of the it's one of the the, the great dairy countries in, in the world if you really think about it. So what did you learn about dairy down there that you sort of brought back to the home farm? Um,
1: it is. It's a very, very different system. Um, you know, they have very little capital, very few buildings and not a lot of equipment. They do all grazing. You know, I I learned a little better. I was able to change a few things as far as we we were able to put our cows out on pasture during the summer months, Mm -hmm. um, change a few things that way here. But, you know, you know, as far as what I actually physically did there to apply here, it's really hard to compare the two. They are apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're out for as many milk solids as they can get because they, you know, ship, export a large part of their dairy.
0: Sure.
1: They have as many cows on their island as they do people. <laughs> um, insane. And, and I think as far as what I learned there, I, I really think, you know, I went right after college. I was pretty young. And we really, I think, push young people to figure out who they are too soon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you're supposed to go to high school and then go directly to college. And before you're 25, know what you want to do with the rest of your life. How many people can truly say that?
0: Oh, I know I couldn't. Um,
1: And so what, you know, I learned a lot more about myself, I think, and living on my own and just being in a foreign country um, taught me a lot about who I want to be and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. If that all makes sense.
0: Well, what did you learn about yourself?
1: Um, I, I was very much, and I am to a certain extent still a people pleaser. You know, I, I want everyone to be happy. And even if it was something I didn't want to do, I'd say yes, because I assume if they asked me, there must be something they want me to do. You know, and I, I kind of learned when to say no and what to say no to and not to feel bad about that, which mm-hmm. sounds really simple, but it's a hard thing to learn and an even harder thing to put into practice. Mm-hmm. You know, especially the people close to us, we want them to be happy. You know, even something as simple as, do you want to go to a movie tonight? You know, and I really wouldn't want to. I'd want to go to sleep early because I milk both nights on either side and I'm exhausted and, you know, but I would go anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that sounds like a really simple and it is a very simple example, but, you know, it can lead to larger, larger events in life.
0: Sure. But, but it's I so just, true I just, though. But it's so true. It
1: is, you know, and I, I figured out what I wanted and how I wanted to do it. And, um, you just, you have this trust in your abilities and your you know gut feelings and your thoughts more because you're completely on your own you know not that i didn't have good friends over there that i could rely on but you know it's not quite the same as living next to your family Um, so
0: and so did you did you come straight home then to the home farm when you when you decided to come home
1: i did you know I, i had this moment um and i can't remember the paddock number anymore but i was fixing the fence they have miles of electric fence over there just miles and miles And um, I I had the uncanny ability to get shocked every time I touched a fence. I hated it so much. I was so anxious about working on the electric fence because of that. And the fence was turned off. I didn't get shocked or anything. Everything was fine. And, you know, I was turning the pliers and I looked up and I thought, this is the most beautiful place I've ever been. And I kind of took a deep breath. And then all of a sudden, I just thought, I'm ready to go home. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like a movie epiphany kind of moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't mad. I wasn't frustrated. I was just done.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I was done working for someone else and ready to come home and do this on my family farm for myself. And, you know, every, everything after that, once you make that decision, all of the little things that used to really annoy the crap out of me just kind of went away. You know, it was kind of like um, graduation goggles. Have you heard of that term?
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like
1: everything, everything that used to annoy me just kind of made me laugh now.
0: Yep. 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 That's really funny. Did your, did your dad welcome you back with open arms or was he, did he pretty much, um, lose patience?
1: (laughs) He's, he's not exactly the welcome you back with open arms type, but I think, uh, I really think he had given up hope on me.
0: Right. But you eventually did come back.
1: I did. Yeah. My brother was already home. My younger brother had a, has a degree in diesel mechanics. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, so he was
1: already home Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think that made both of them nervous, me leaving twice like that, because Cole is good with the cows and he milks the cows, but that's not his forte. Right. That's not what he wants to do.
0: So after New Zealand and you came back to the farm, what was your role? I mean, what, what was your role when you actually, when, when you returned?
1: Um, our, our roles kind of were kind of predetermined. You know, my brother was a diesel mechanic. I went with animal for animal sciences to school. So we always knew he would do the equipment, I would do the cows. Um, there was a little bit of a struggle between my dad and I, we have a very similar personality. Uh, so working together, you know, there's a big difference between I work for my family and working with your family. Um, it's, it's a slight distinction, but it's, it's pretty large when you're living it. Sure. Um, and it, and it kind of worked out. I had always handled calves when I was home. Um, so I really took over the calf program for sure. And then, um, the milking cows and feeding calves are always my two main areas. So you know I, I kind of I really took over the calf program and then the milking the cows it, you know is a big deal my dad and I kind of tag teamed. Mm-hmm. You know and I, I definitely took over the paperwork and I've always had my hand in a little bit of everything. We our joke is that I drive the tractors but if they break I call Cole, my my brother. <laughs> and that he milks the cows but if they break he calls me. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the joke. So you know my dad is still super active. He's a much more big picture now. Um he you know, sells a hand in everything. He does all of the breeding. Um, you know, he we all kind of tag team. He and my brother tag team making the, you know, the the seed buying decisions and planting and the crops and that kind of thing. And then he and I kind of tag team the, you know, cows and culling cows and breeding cows and all that kind of stuff.
0: So is your mom involved in the operation?
1: She is. Um, less than she used to be. She pretty much just handles the bookwork now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's been in the last five or six years, she's had some medical issues that have kept her off physically working on the farm, but, um, you know, up up until really about six years ago, you know, she'd come out and help me calves and she'd milk when we needed her. And, um, you know, when we were young, she did it all. She drove the tractors. We'd get off the bus from school and she'd be chopping corn in the field. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it sounded like right out right out. you know, when you got out of college, of course, you went away for a little bit, but it sounded like you, you really wanted to come back and farm. I mean, this was, this is what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, I did. I, you know, I, I didn't start out college that way. I originally wanted to go pre-vet, which I think a lot of kids do. And then I realized I didn't want to spend that much money or go to school for that long. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I really wanted to do, and I, I grew up in a place where I didn't do any of the youth dairy stuff or youth cow stuff or... You know, I was in 4-h but we didn't take it to the state level or anything like that you know so we were the only kids in our school with a large dairy farm right we were one of two families that had anything to do with a dairy farm in our school mm-hmm. you know so I didn't really have anyone to talk to about this mm-hmm. and even within our 4-h club most of the kids in it weren't actively on farms you know they, they showed and they had animals but you know they owned five or six animals at this person's farm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those farms, the big farms around here, didn't have kids our age. And I, I think I just, I got to college finally around people my age with large dairy farms like ours. And it, it made me feel a little more normal and a little more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was about a year, maybe two years in that I, I realized, you know, I wanted to work with dairy cows. And if I was going to work with cows, why not do it on my own? At home? Sure.
0: I did a lot of research on you, by the way. You know and, and I always do research on the guests if I can and I did do some research on you and, and a lot of my research I don't have to go far. all I got to do is just pull up your Instagram page or your Facebook yeah, there's page a, there's you a know, lot out there there's a lot out there yeah there's a lot out there. Um, you have you know one pretty big social media presence um, why do you think it's so important to be to be present on social media? and I know I only say this because you know I, I, I am on social media because I essentially have to be. Not because I want to be, you know, yeah. um, but it's not my favorite thing. You know, I guess I'm still an old school type of person where I, you know, I, I like to have people. I like to like physically be in front of people if I want to contact people and all that. I'll do it that way. Rarely do I go on and, and on my own Facebook page and post stuff. I'll do it on the American Air Cultures page, but not on my own page. But you're yeah. really, really active. You're really, really active representing your home farm. I mean, why is it so important for you to be active on social media?
1: Well, um, from a personal standpoint, you know, as a dairy farmer, we're very isolated. We don't get out much. I mean, there are entire weeks or two that I literally, we never leave the farm now that groceries can be delivered, (laughs) especially now with quarantine. Um, You know, so personally, I've connected with so many people through social media and, you know, I have my own little community and, you know, people I consider really good, true friends that I've never met in real life, Mm -hmm. which is really crazy to say. Um, but it's been an outlet for me. I'm a pretty outgoing person. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm an extrovert. And they call me an introverted extrovert. You know, I like to have fun. I'm kind of life of the party, the loud, obnoxious person, but I also need that alone, quiet time after. Um, so social media is perfect for me. Mm-hmm. If I want to post and be extroverted, I can be. But the days I don't feel like it, I just don't post. You know, and then from an advocate standpoint, someone is out there telling our story about farming and dairy farming. If it's not us, it's not going to be true. You know, nobody wants someone else to tell their story for them because they're not going to get all the facts right. And if we don't do it ourselves as farmers, you know, it's going to be organizations like PETA or HSUS, Humane Society of the United States, out there telling a story that's not true. And, you know, we've reached a place with social media out in the world that we can't afford to let them do that
2: mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm not saying every farmer needs to go out and advocate, but um I definitely think those of us that feel comfortable doing it, you know, should speak out.
0: And you have 11,000 you have over 11,000 likes. Um 12,000 over 12,000 follows. Pretty good numbers. Um really good numbers actually. You know, I, I'm just curious. I mean, like I said, you're very, very active and and you like to um you like to have fun, like do all this sort of thing what has been i guess what's been the secret to to what do you think in in your mind has been the secret to to connecting with your with your social media followers?
1: The comment I still get the most often is how real I am you know I, I think people can tell i mean i if you followed anything I do on Instagram, I can act like an idiot like the best of them you know like if you're willing to look a little foolish on a camera you're gonna go real far on social media
2: you know but at the same
1: time i don't i don't sugarcoat things you know i i i'm literally sharing my life not just the farm but my whole life with people who follow me and i think they see that and or i'll show something like the other day this was stupid the other day i um shared out you know how you're like you're walking towards the bathroom door and you reach for the doorknob and it's just muscle memory that you turn it while you're walking and it opens and you walk through it. Well, the other day I did that and I didn't turn the doorknob and I just ran into the door. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I feel like everyone has those moments, those super stupid moments where you, you know, and I posted it on Instagram, you know, I got, you know, 50 messages from people saying, Oh, I do that all the time. I'm so glad you said it out loud. You know, it's a dumb example, but, just it's those stupid little things that happen throughout your day. Like I dropped a pen and got irrationally mad about it, you know, that everyone dies, but nobody talks about that really make people feel like they know me and understand me. And they're like, well, she's just like me, Mm -hmm. you know? and, And what that leads to is if they're not a farmer and all of a sudden they see this weird video put out there by PETA about farmers abusing their animals they feel comfortable bringing that to me and asking me that question mm-hmm. because I'm just like them. Do you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. showing the highlight reel of my life.
2: But then, I'm showing
1: but- talking about the times that I run into the door simply because I forgot to turn the doorknob, <laughs> or when I, you know, dropped the f bomb because I dropped a pen. You know, like it's just those <laughs> moments that um, make us human, and I talk about them a lot, probably more than I should.
0: But then there's a potential backlash. There's a potential flip side to that, that you put yourself out there all the time. And, you know, I guess the best example to me would be this, would be the Dean's thing. And now, you know, I'm going to, now that we're sort of after that whole call that we had last week, and hopefully dairy farmers have gotten the call to, to send in those letters, um, you were right out in front and you were, you know, not holding any punches as far as, you know, what you thought about that entire situation. Yeah. And, you know, I guess there's a potential flip side that when you're out there all the time and when you're out there, you know, sharing your opinion and all that, you know, there's a potential that there's going to be some sort of blowback. Now, I know the last time we talked, you know, at that point, it was like, I have nothing to lose. That's what you said, you have nothing to lose or anything like that. But, um, you know, because Dean's is pretty much, it's over anyway. But you know right. do you do, do you fear sometimes that 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 putting yourself out there that much and and sharing yourself and and sharing you know what what you want to share that that puts sort of a put sort of a bull's on you in terms of attention and and have you had any any experiences that you can point to that that perhaps you know if somebody is listening to this that that perhaps they can they can sort of take away from that and and say you know this is what I should look out for and this is how I should handle it
1: Well, I have learned to. <laughs> like, like with the Steen's things, like I said, there. I mean, what consequence could they bring? You know, as far as Deans itself. Um, but I've learned to approach the situations with as much positivity as I can. Um, I, I I didn't. I mean, that thought was always in the back of my head, and it didn't really sink home until uh, how many years ago was it that Walmart started their processing plant?
0: Oh, in Indiana. Several years I ago, think. I forget, but it was several. Yeah, years I mean, it's been three. Either. It's
1: been three years, maybe. Right, maybe four. Uh, but right around that time, dairy farmers all over Facebook and Instagram and anywhere they could were saying boycott Walmart milk. And I wrote—I write for Hordes Dairyman, a dairy publication, every other week their online blog. And I wrote an article basically saying stop telling people to boycott milk because you know even right now the milk we ship to our current plant gets bottled in Walmart bottles and sent to Walmart grocery stores. You know, this was one plant in the middle of the country. Mm-hmm was not supplying all the Walmarts in the world.
0: Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing amazing if you really think about that?
1: (laughs) Right. So, you know, I I was telling people, like, stop telling them to boycott dairy products because 97% of all farms are still family-owned. And even if Walmart was bottling that milk, it's still coming from a family dairy farm. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you know, that that article got a lot of traction because a lot of farmers were saying the same thing. And uh, I got a call one night from a reporter... In Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania.
0: Sure, yeah, Wilkes you know, Bar, which is what
1: five, four or five hours away from me,
0: Mm-hmm, northeast Pennsylvania. And
1: yeah, and this this was right around the time the dean's letters had come out, too. Um, I think a lot of people were blaming the Walmart plant on the letters. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, which I don't think was the, you know, the reason for the letters. Obviously, when Dean went bankrupt like a year or two later, but um, so he called me, and literally just you know as most people don't had had no idea about the dairy industry mm-hmm. or how it worked or anything and you know he was visiting a dairy farm later that week that had gotten a letter and he just wanted background information like to ask the right questions and to understand how things worked and i answered all of his questions and everything was fine and you know he wasn't even looking to quote me he just wanted to understand better mm-hmm. and we get to the end of it and i said you know i really appreciate you calling and wanting to understand the story a little better but can I just ask how you found me? You know, I'm five hours away from you. And he told me he had called the Dean's headquarters in Texas to ask them the same exact information. And they emailed him my article.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: said, talk to her. (laughs) And I won't lie. I was kind of angry. Mm -hmm. I mean, a little flattered, but also really angry that like, you know, I'm sure Dean spends hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on PR, and they couldn't answer his questions about the dairy industry? You know, yeah. are, are you are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I just, maybe, and maybe I'm taking it the wrong way. I should have been more flattered than I was. But yeah. I just, I was genuinely flabbergasted yeah. that they couldn't take the 20 minutes to answer his questions
2: like I hadn't.
0: Yeah. And, of course, you know, we don't have anybody at Dean's to really defend themselves on this. Maybe it was just a a thing that they just wanted. They sort of realized that you were a good spokesperson for the dairy industry. and Maybe you'd do a good job. So, you know.
1: Uh, My my view of that is more tainted. I think it was more (laughs) of a, they were were afraid he'd try to dive into why the letters happened Mm -hmm. situation and just didn't want to deal with that. You know, but either way, I guess it's done. But that was the first time I had proof. That people were watching me. <laughs>
2: you
1: know, and I I knew, you know, you see the numbers on social media of how many people have read your article or seen the post or it'll tell you how many accounts you've reached. Yeah. But you know, you don't assume it's anyone yeah, I, I didn't I didn't think they were watching until he told me that.
0: I don't know. I, I guess I, I guess I come at it from I guess I come at it from, you know, I, I try to push I try to push the articles that I write and all this and, and when I when I um when I see an article that I posted and I think, man, this is going to get a lot of attention, it's going to get a lot of likes, and then it doesn't get a lot of likes, or it doesn't get a lot of attention, at least it's not, uh, at least not the attention that I thought it was going to get. But then another right. article, but then another article that I didn't think was going to get a lot of attention gets more attention than I ever thought was going to get. I scratch my head and I'm like, okay, what am I doing? What did I do wrong here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I get
1: that with individual posts. You know, I'll put a lot of time into a big long post about not no antibiotics being in your milk or something. And it'll do well, but not as well as I thought. And then I'll just post a picture of a calf and, you know, it'll go crazy. And I'm like, come on guys,
0: <laughs> put, put some, you know, put some love into my work actually. You get farmers actually asking you how to, how to, how to do social media the right way to do it. I mean, I guess that there really is no right way to do it. You just do it right. I mean, that's, I do. That, that, I that, that, that's what I, that's what I think personally, but I mean, what kind of advice do you give to farmers if they ask you?
1: I think a lot of farmers are really scared of the um, activist backlash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I would say through the pandemic, I'm knocking on wood now, but they've been pretty quiet, which surprised me. I really thought this would kind of amp them up. Um, but I, the first time I got attacked was really bad. I mean, I'm talking four days, probably tens of thousands of people attacking my page. And what they'll do is they latch on to, they find one post and then they'll go back and comment on the last 20 posts you've made. Right, You know, and call you names and use horrendous language, and um, they'll even follow your followers and harass them occasionally, and they'll repost your posts in vegan groups, mm-hmm. telling their friends to attack you. Um, I mean, it was it was awful, mm-hmm. and you just feel like such an awful person for what you do, and um, I think that scares people the most. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of being tacked and called those names, and I will say, sad as it might be. You get used to it.
0: <laughs> well, you know, but that's right. the thing. That, that's the thing, Jess. I mean, that, that was, I guess that was the original, that was the original point that I was trying to get at. The, the fact that you are so active on social media and the fact that, you know what, you have such a presence on there. There's a flip side of the coin. There's a flip side of the coin in that, you know, you have, it's a great opportunity to reach out to people and, and I get that. But then on, on, on the flip side though, I mean, you have the bullseye on yourself.
1: I mean, you have to have a thick skin to a certain point. You know, I have some friends who kind of started this journey about the same time I do that never got to where I got. And part of that is they had kids and they wanted to share their life with their kids on the farm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, like, I don't know if you know who Dairy Carrie is. Carrie oh, yeah, sure. Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. She's kind of the start of all this. Um, you know, and I, I know she gets crazy threats against her kids all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, maybe not all the time, but often enough that it's scary.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if you... Want to get big and put yourself out there you've got to be willing to take what's coming at you and you, you know and it really it really depends you know I never thought I would get this big i didn't i I don't treat it like a business I probably should try and make some money at this because I spend too much time on it to not be making money at this but um you know for me it it is my creative outlet yeah and it's my like I said earlier it's my way to connect with people because I don't get a lot of that in person just Dairy farm life isn't the most social life, <laughs> um, you know, and so when I put something out that people think is funny, it's me entertaining myself, mm-hmm. you know, hoping to entertain someone else, too. And there have been times along this road for me that I've tried to I thought, you know, I, I can get more followers and influence more people. And I have actually tried to go after more followers. Then it comes work to me. Mm-hmm. And I already have a pretty serious job. Yeah. Once social media starts to feel like work, I stop having fun. And then I lose interest. You know, I, I, I just, I don't know how I did it, but I, and I you know, I give a lot of credit more to my followers. I just, I found this community that makes me want to post things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to have fun with them and share my mental health struggles with them and, you know, tell them about my farm. And I think you need to approach social media more as creating relationships with people than teaching them. Right. Nobody wants to be preached to yeah. about anything. Yep. But if you, like I said earlier, if you, create that relationship with them and they begin to trust you when they have a question about their food if they trust you and feel like they know you they're going to come to you and ask you instead of googling it you know we, we for the most part still want to get information from people we know over just randomly googling it
0: oh especially these days especially these yeah. days with what information is on is on the internet that's for sure
1: you know and, and you'll think nobody's <laughs> watching or nobody's listening and i'll post something that like we said earlier doesn't get any traction i think, all right, fine. You know, I spent an hour writing that post, but whatever. Um, and then a month later, an old friend from high school will message me about it and say, hey, I saw this video from like a PETA or something, but I remember you posted about this a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? You know, and that's the moment you, you realize that all that work was worth it.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. So um, I guess we should probably do an update on the Dean's thing. So um First off, have you have you filled out the the waiver? Then, what, what what's going on with you guys in terms of in terms of that situation? Oh, uh, yep,
1: I uh, they they're recommending you fill it out and send it in before your settlement date was due.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: sent it in pretty quickly. Um, I will say, you mean to tell me that day, you uh, didn't
0: find you didn't find fifty thousand dollars in your bed?
1: <laughs> no, I did. I did not. We, we I haven't looked in every room yet, so you know hope, I'm still holding out hope. Um, <laughs> But I, there was a conference call, I think, the week after you and I talked. And uh, from what I'm understanding, the ASK or Ask LLC, the law firm that put these letters out, is taking a lot of heat for this. And they'd like to have it resolved quickly, <laughs> which I'm a little proud of. Um, but they're, you know, they're saying, you send in the disclaimer. I actually got a letter in the mail the week after, uh, the day of that conference call, actually, saying that they're... <laughs> They have a hearing set up to approve the disclaimers and dismiss the case.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, January, second week in January, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they already have, you know, the hearing and the date, and they're telling everyone to get their disclaimers in before then. And you can even call in and listen to the, to the not trial, but proceedings, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that tells me the fact that they have a date for that hearing tells me they do want this done. <laughs> as soon as it can be. So that's definitely has me feeling more at ease than before. You know, that little bit of anxiety won't be completely gone until I hear case dismissed, it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, the Pennsylvania Milk Marketing Board putting pressure on it with the PA State Attorney General and then the American Farm Bureau putting pressure on really helped move this along, I think.
0: Yeah. Takes a lot of pressure off your shoulders, huh?
1: It does. I didn't have to hire a lawyer. Hopefully that, you know, that's the other thing. I, I'm not going to go out and seek a lawyer out right now. And, but by all appearances, I shouldn't have to. Mm -hmm. But when you're dealing with that kind of money and this kind of legal, you know, stuff, I'm still slightly nervous about that as well. (laughs) So we'll see if that was a good decision or not. And if it wasn't and I get screwed here, um, I'm going to, have some strongly worded letters sent to the uh, state attorney general. I'm sure I will fight for myself in that way, but I think, I think it's going to resolve itself well. So
0: I think we all hope so. So do you have any big plans for Christmas and new years?
1: Um, Not really. Uh, We don't usually anyway, usually Christmas day, it's just the family on the farm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you work hard to get all the chores done and everything. I know my brother and nephew and his wife are coming up from Florida. They're going to drive up, uh, you know, quarantine and then come spend Christmas with us. So it'll be fun. We'll have a six-year-old and a three-year-old mm-hmm. opening gifts, which makes makes Christmas a lot more fun. Yeah, we don't we do not do a lot of... Our, our Christmas traditions are you get up in the morning, you milk, then you open gifts and we go eat leftovers at my grandma's house. Oh, I
0: hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I, 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 I did not grow up in a dairy farm, but my wife, um, she has a brother my brother-in-law, who lives out in western Pennsylvania, out in Somerset, and he was a dairy farmer for almost 10 years. And we used to have, and we still to this day, have Christmas dinner over at, at my mother-in-law's house. And he used to come with his family, uh, four kids. He used to come with his family, and they would arrive at our at, at my mother-in-law's place at around 11 o'clock in the morning. Because, you know, to get from Somerset out to um Southeastern Pennsylvania is a good four hours away. I mean, it's, yeah, it's that's a, a long drive. drive. People don't realize how how big Pennsylvania actually is, but it's actually a pretty big state. But It is um, a very long state. But anyway, he would come out, and, and he would arrive at 11 o'clock in the morning, and they would have dinner, and at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, he would be gone, because he'd have to drive back four hours and get back for the afternoon milking. Oh, and, that's crazy. You know, and I always thought to myself, wow, I... I could not even imagine I mean here I am here we are just relaxing for Christmas we don't really have to we've all been stuffed and really don't have to move <laughs> really don't want to move yeah. and and here they are going back in their car driving another 4 hours back to western pa I mean that's that was, Yeah Christmas you
1: know. morning was never as hard for me as Christmas evening and night Ah uh, yeah you know like you just you're you're oh you're stuffed you're tired you don't want to work mm-hmm. yet all you have to do is go work <laughs>
2: So yeah,
0: but then again, though, I mean, you have a yeah. It's it's a great farm. It's a great life just to be out in the farm and not have to worry about battling traffic or anything like that. And you know, I guess it does, does it all even out for you then? I mean, I, I would assume that it probably all evens out for you in the end, right?
1: Yeah, it does. We Christmas Eve, we always go over to my grandma's. It's a big fancy thing, and so we get Christmas Eve night off. And um, you know, I I spend every Christmas day with my family. Isn't that what everybody wants? It depends. <laughs> oh, well, true, it works for us. I guess I'll say. I will say, um, my my brother in law or my brother and sister in law do the every other year thing. One year they stay in Florida for Christmas, and the next year they're up here. Um, the years they're here is much more fun.
0: I was going to say, no, they, no, do they do they ever invite you guys to Florida?
1: <laughs> oh, there's a standing invitation, but we could never actually get there. Right. Uh, most Februarys, my parents try to go down. Okay. Because February, is, you know, it's kind of a slow time for us, and it's warmer there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's really hard for us to get off the farm, because even, you know, we run a pretty skeleton crew, so when one person leaves, everyone else has to pick up the slack. Sure. And it's a lot.
0: Sure. How many employees are on your farm?
1: Um, my dad, brother, and I are full-time, and then I have three part-time milkers, and, you know, two of them only milk two milkings a week. Mm-hmm. Um, So they're very part-time. My sister-in-law feeds calves in the mornings, and then we have one other full-time guy Mm -hmm. who works, you know, more than full-time. But uh, he's a retired dairy farmer, or not retired, but he doesn't have his own dairy farm anymore. So it's really nice because he understands the commitment to it, you know. And when he's about to leave in a cow calves, he knows, you know, he's got to take care of it. You can't just leave at five every day.
0: Yeah. So You're like the perf- your farm is a perfect example to show to somebody when they say, you know, modern farming is all corporate farming and all industrial farming. Um, it doesn't sound like to me that, that a bunch of family members pitching in to help out on the farm is a corporate farm. Doesn't sound well, that way to me.
1: No, and the problem the problem with those terms are they were I mean, they were invented by activists. Yeah. And the the problem is the general public has really latched onto them. Because, I mean, if you come here, we are a commercial dairy farm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: y- you know, even though I still know the name of all the cows and you know, having 500 animals in one space sounds bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, but I think that's, that's another reason we need to be on social media talking about it. Like, yes, we are, especially for Pennsylvania, we're a large scale farm, but that doesn't mean we still don't take the best care of our animals.
0: Well, we're about to exit 2020. Thank God, it's been yeah. a terrible year. How, how have you guys been handling it? I mean, do, do you know anybody close that's, that's gotten COVID or?
1: Um, no one. No, like I. No one in my immediate family. Um, we've had some extended relatives, and they weren't. No, I haven't known anyone who has had to be hospitalized personally. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we've we've just all been really careful. My grandma lives next door to us she is 91 years old the most active woman ever um and she usually used to cook for us every friday mm-hmm. you know we'd go over there so she, we'd have to haul food back and forth and she quit for a while because she was worried about giving us COVID. wow we were like grandma you're 91 years old we're worried about getting you <laughs> <infected."> <laughs> um so she did she did thankfully resume friday uh, lunches but um you know, like honestly, our lifestyle just kind of leads to quarantining on its own. Yeah. You know, it. There were a few. You know, every once in a while we used to go out to eat on a Friday night as a family. We don't do that anymore. We'll order pizza in or something. But, you know, for the, for the most part, we spent all of our time alone with each other. <laughs> anyway, that makes it sound really sad.
0: Yeah. What What is that? You know, I'm kind of curious. I mean, and, and I I don't want to sound I don't want to sound naive here, but what does that, what does that do for your, for your mental health? You had talked about mental health before. Like, What does that do when, when, when you're in a situation where you know, on a dairy farm you don't see a lot of people for long stretches of time? What does that do to your mental health, and how do you, how do you address that? How do you deal with that?
1: You have to find ways to cope with it. Um, and for It's funny. You, I feel like people talk about social media more in a bad light of how bad it can be and how overwhelming it can be. It has been my saving grace.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I can't. <laughs> I feel like the phrase "working with family" is something everyone understands. How hard that can be, <laughs> um, and not that I, I truly love my family. Like, you know, before all of this went down, my brother and I loved movies,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we would spend all day working together, and then we'd go see a movie at night together. Mm-hmm. You know, we we can do that, but um, you know, not even having those little reprieves of far- off the farm stuff to be able to do has been trying, mm-hmm. you know, so being able to escape into social media for me has been a big deal. Or even just, I got AirPods for Christmas last year and yeah, you know, I kind of wanted them kind of didn't, didn't use them much. Now I use them every day in the calf barn, just having that like two hours of music in my ears, not having to deal with other people. And mm-hmm. you know, you, you've got to really find what you need and take the time to do it. Or even if it's just taking your side by side or four wheeler out for a ten minute drive around the farm, or walking around the farm, or I, I don't know. It's you have to find the little things that help. You know, I, I listened to a podcast once, and I don't even remember what it was. Now that talked about we put so much emphasis on the big events in our life, but those aren't the events that make us who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the day to day. You know, I know weddings are a big deal and birthdays and you know conferences or girls trips or cruises, whatever it is, but you know, those are the things you look forward to that are a once in a lifetime kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They're not what really keep you grounded and healthy, right? You know, so you have to find what keeps you happy and what makes you happy in the day to day of your life.
0: So, do you have any New Year's resolutions for twenty twenty one? I
1: don't. I don't even know. <laughs> I just want twenty twenty to be over. And I, I actually did a post on this the other day. Um, you know, there are so many people looking forward to twenty twenty one and all of this being over, and there's just as many people out there being like, look, just because the clock changes to January 1st doesn't mean this is going to end. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you know what? If that's what people need to believe, let them believe it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: In yeah. their head, they know COVID's not going to end on December 31st, 2020.
0: Yeah. You know, we
1: know next year's still not going to be easy. No. But if that's what your heart needs to believe to get you through the next couple months, just let people believe it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all mental thing. It's all meant Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was great talking to you.
1: Yeah, it was good to talk to you, too. Thanks yeah. for
0: having me again. Hey, um, how do people get to your Instagram page and also your Facebook page?
1: So on Facebook, I'm called Spruce Row Farm. Um, that's the name of our dairy farm. And then on uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, I'm C. Jess Farm. Like, you know, C. Spot Run. C. Jess Farm.
0: And I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I enjoyed recording it and talking to Jess. We will see you in the new year. And again, have a great Christmas and a happy new year. And thanks for your continuing support of the Young Farm Podcast.